HMP. And good afternoon, and thank you for joining us on this Tuesday afternoon. Hello, Dan. Hey, Buzz. How goes it? Well. Are you wet? I am not. I made it in before it started, uh, that torrential um, thunderstorming uh, rain that we experienced. We lost our power at the station. We have a backup generator. I don't know whether we're on backup now or the real deal. I'm going to say we're on backup. You think so? Uh, 99% sir. You can tell that by... I've just been working here long enough, Buzz. There we go. Magical skills. So here's a question that I have for you. I want the correct answer from you, Dan Torres. Uh, I don't know those. I I was just looking at the National Weather Service. Okay. I saw, because I wanted to see what region was affected by this thunderstorming. Mm -hmm. Um, In some places, by the way, there are quarter-sized, like 25-cent piece-sized hail in some Mm -hmm. regions, Mm -hmm. not in this region, but it it showed... Mm. Um, it, it said that there was a 68% chance of rain today. That's what it said from 10 o'clock this morning. Now, here's my question. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Does that mean in your region, 68% of the land is going to get wet? Or is there a almost 7 in 10 chance that that region is going to suffer rain? What's the answer, Dan? Mm, B. <laughs> I don't know. That was so authoritative. I you know. You are the answer man. I, I am the answer man. It's B. There we go. I'm going to go with B. If Dan says it's B, it is B. So 7 in 10 chance. Well, tomorrow we're not going to have rain. It's going to no. be overcast. And Thursday it's going to be gorgeous and 87. And humid. And we still need we still need rain. And next week there will be more rain, Buzz. In case, in case you want to go that oh, far wait. out. Friday there's a 43% chance. Of okay. Rain. See, these chances, these things, they don't really mean anything, Buzz. They're just... They're estimates based on three or four days out, depending on, you know, weather changes. It's, you can't trust that. So you're going to a C. I am. Right? I thought you were stuck with B, but no. Yeah, no, I'm you actually they I'm changing they mean my nothing. They, they don't mean much. Yeah. Okay. Well, there's a couple of things I really want to alert folks to. Um, we are beyond the mail-in, in-person, and online registration deadline which under the old Massachusetts law is 20 days before an election. The primary is on September 6th. So as of August 17th, people could no longer register for the primary. But folks, the election, the general election, is going to be November 8th. Please register. If you're not registered, go to your town clerk. You can do it by mail. You can do it in person. You can do it online. You can go to the Secretary of State's office um, to find out more details or just... Um, look at your own uh, town.gov and go to your city or town clerk's uh, webpage and they will tell you um, how to either mail in, in person, or online register to vote. But please do it. If you're an early voter, early voter begins this Saturday, is the 27th, um, on August 27th, and it ends on September 2nd. Um, if you want to do absentee ballot, you have to have that in by the day of the primary, which is September 6th. Um, and voting on September 6th, if you want to go in person and vote, that's from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. Please vote. As Dan Quayle said, please V-O-T. Vote. I just want to flag what's coming up. We have some great guests coming up, Dan. Um, Tomorrow we have Representative uh, Paul Mark of the 2nd Berkshire District representing um, Greenfield and related areas. 
Um, he is, as you know, a candidate for the Senate seat that's being vacated by Adam Hines. And so we have a lot to talk to Paul about that breakneck um, overnight session um, where so many good things uh, resulted. Um, I'm really proud of our legislature for what it's done in the area of reproductive rights, on voting rights, um, and um, major things we'll talk about with Paul Mark tomorrow. Um, we have Andrea Campbell, a candidate for attorney general. She'll be in studio. Um, she is of the three candidates for attorney general. She's the one that the uh, candidate for governor and the outgoing attorney general, Maura Healy, has endorsed. So we have a lot to talk about with Andrea Campbell, currently the city councilor for Boston. Um, on Monday, we have Dr. Tammy uh, Guvea of Acton. She is a candidate for lieutenant governor, um, and I'm anxious to talk to her. She is uh, a so licensed social worker, and um, she believes that human services should be the focus of a lieutenant governor, and there's so much to do in the arena of mental health that she wants to talk about, and she her candidacy revolves around. So that'll be an interesting conversation. And according to the polls, the front runner for lieutenant governor, Salem Mayor Kim Driscoll, she will be uh, on on Wednesday of next week. Um, she, this will be her second appearance on the show. So um, really looking forward to all of those, and I hope people tune in. But I'm especially looking forward to our guest in studio today, um, something that uh, is near and dear to my heart, and I think near and dear to the hearts of anyone who lives in this region, our beloved uh, jewel of a college, Greenfield Community College, has announced its 11th college president. Um, Dr. Michelle Shute is here in studio. She was, uh, I think you've been on the job for about a month. Is that right? That's correct, Buzz. Just a month. Have you fixed everything yet? I'm still working every day. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to know where to start, except that a lot of people who haven't met you yet, um, like me, this is, I, I met you for a blink of an eye um, last week, and other than that, I've been really looking forward to this. I have, I have you to myself in studio with Dan here. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself, where you came from, and why. Thanks for that. So um, I, as you mentioned, I've been on the job for about six weeks. Um, and prior to that, I was a, a vice president at the College of Southern Idaho, which is a two-year college, community college in, serving um, the southern part of the state. Our service region was about 12,000 square miles, or roughly the size of the state of Maryland. Uh, we had about 13,000 students, 60% of which were dual credit or high school students. And we were recently designated a HSI or Hispanic Serving Institution work that we had done um, over my seven years at the college to really ensure that we were serving our population accurately in relation to what our, our general population makeup was. Um, so I was vice president there. Uh, I'd come out of student services, so came through um, my formalized education through a variety of institutions. I have a PhD from Colorado State, uh, a master's degree in social responsibility, a master's degree in English education, and my bachelor's was also in English education. Grew up in Iowa, um, and I'm a proud um, first-generation college student, and um, I'm very fond of saying that uh, higher education changed my family tree, and that's my motivation for the work that I do every day. Talk about diversity. You are diversity. You embody <laughs> diversity. Um, speaking of diversity, so you've come to a fairly um, homogeneous region. We are generally Caucasian. 
um, here, but uh, it sounds like where you were in Idaho, it sounds like it was incredibly diverse, and the region that you were serving was the size of the state of Maryland, and and uh, your focus included so many Hispanics. Um, what did you learn there that you could bring to a region like this? Absolutely. I think it's really important to recognize that, that diversity is more than skin color, that it's a bit of an iceberg. Um, we really need to get to know people to understand um, how how diverse they are and what they what uniquenesses they bring to us and what that means in relation to the service that we provide them. Um, so in in Idaho, yes, we had um, because of our agricultural base, we had a large Hispanic population, about twenty five percent of the communities. Do we you served. speak Spanish? I do not, um, unfortunately. But I worked very hard to get bilingual people working in every area of student services. And when I started, I had. Um, I had one bilingual staff member, and by the, within 18 months of my arrival at the institution, I had a bilingual individual in every area of student services, which really fostered that inclusivity for our, our students, prospective students in particular, and their families as they were making that decision to come to college. That was one element um, in our diversity work, but you know things that can easily transfer. Um, I worked on efforts to ensure that we were closing the gaps on food insecurity by opening a food pantry. Um, I stood in front of our board of trustees and lobbied for gender-neutral bathrooms, um, worked on veteran services. I mean, there were elements at, at every turn that aren't unique to uh, racial diversity, but really speak to the, the human diversity which comes with community college work. I have read um, two articles that I remember from the Chronicle of Higher Education, and the thesis of which was this. We think of diversity, hey, Ron DeSantis, hey, Greg Abbott, you know, your criticism of, of our focus on, um, on uh, improving diversity is always that we're doing something for people who are disadvantaged. But... What both of these articles spoke to is why diversity is necessary for a well-rounded classroom. Why having a diverse classroom helps the educational process. Can you speak to that? Absolutely. I'm sure this was your experience as well, Buzz, when you were teaching that, um, you know, my classes, so I've taught at universities, but I also taught at the, at the community college I last worked at. And I taught in English, and I also taught a social justice course. And uh, because I was working full-time as a vice president, I was teaching at night. And my classes were some of the most diverse because they were working professionals, they were traditional college-age students, they were high schoolers that wanted to get a leg up. The conversations were rich because they came from so many different life experiences. And that's what education is. And that's how education is represented through diversity is uh, the context by which students come together and learn something common, um, some sort of common knowledge, but at the same time bring their own perspectives to the conversation. And I think, you know, great teaching really offers that opportunity to have those conversations, to acknowledge that we might not walk out all thinking the same thing, but we're going to take a common construct and dissect it and really compare notes and Think about it critically, and and that's the power of education right there, because hearts and minds are changed and and altered, and um, and just they they think about things in a new way that they never had the opportunity to do when they were in a homogeneous environment, 
And so, you know, I often say I, I am richer by the work that I do. And it's not about finances. It's about the people I interact with every single day and the lives I've been able to touch. Um, and, and what I've learned from them has been so incredibly powerful. I'm a better teacher because of my students. And as an administrator, I mean, you and I spoke just before we came on the air. And, and to me, um, what I learned when I was teaching is that I, I was told, actually, um, especially since I, I'm a progressive, I'm a legal activist, and I have a very strong ideological sort of foundation from which I operate. But you can't teach people what to think, but you can teach people how to think. As an administrator, how do you help effectuate that in the, in the institution you lead? I think you demonstrate that by the, by the faculty and staff that you're leading. I also think you know, you can't overlook the daily interactions that you have with people. And, and I firmly believe in leadership by walking around and whether that be on the campus or in the communities. Um, Good you for know, you. The, the best conversations happen between presidents and, and deans uh, in the hallways with absolutely. students. Yeah. yeah, That's great. Yeah. And you enjoy that? Oh, I love it. I mean, because people aren't willing to speak the same way in a meeting that they are one-on-one. And so it gives me a really broad perspective on the, the um, intentionality and the um, challenges that are facing the college and facing people as individuals that need to be addressed by the college as well. Dan Torres, write this date down. We're talking to a president who wants to hear alternative viewpoints. That's great. What a treat. That is. We're going to take a break. We're going to be back in just a few minutes with um, Dr. Michelle Schutt, the new uh, president of our uh, precious Greenfields Community College. We'll be back right after these messages. Stay with us. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. Lundgren Honda. Experience it. Now, it isn't just one thing. It is everything you expect when you're looking for your next car, your first car, or to repair your car. Award-winning customer service, no-hassle negotiation-free pricing, and friendly, familiar faces you know and trust with your vehicle. Rob Avery from Lundgren Honda. We're all looking to get the most for our money when it comes to buying gas. How is your gas mileage doing? Is it as good as when you first got your vehicle? Let Lundgren Honda help. We will have one of our technicians perform an express oil change service. It will change your oil and filter and fill the engine with the correct oil. Check and set the tire pressures to the proper specs and make sure that your air filter is clean. All of these make a big difference when it comes to gas mileage. Call, stop by, or make an appointment online and mention this ad for 10% off. Consumer Satisfaction Award winners two years running. Lundgren Honda proudly provides you with an award-winning experience. See the latest selection of new and certified pre-owned cars at 409 Federal Street and LundgrenHondaOfGreenfield.com. Lundgren Honda of Greenfield. Experience it. Right in your town, maybe even in your neighborhood, an immigrant is building a new life, trying to find their way, all while learning a new language. The International Language Institute offers free English classes for immigrants and refugees, for true beginners and others, like students in our Bridge to College and Careers program. One of the nation's top language schools is right here, with free English classes for immigrants and refugees. The International Language Institute in downtown Northampton. 20 years ago, we envisioned creating a brighter future for people and planet. Now, PV Squared celebrates a big milestone decades of designing, building, and maintaining quality solar projects for homes and businesses in our community. P. 
TV Squared is a worker-owned co-op. When you partner with us, you get a team dedicated to the success of your project, from your first meeting to servicing your system down the road. Build solar right and do business better. It's the co-op difference. Learn more at pvsquared.coop. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. And we are back. It is my pleasure to be in studio with Greenfield Community College President uh, Michelle Schutt, Dr. Schutt. Um, I wanted to ask you about some of the, you have some real challenges. Uh, you're beginning a job. Uh, you're only six weeks into it. But uh, you walked into a community college presidency at a time when community college enrollments nationally are um, down tremendously, maybe historically. The pandemic wreaked havoc on community colleges. And, and so many of us who uh, love the mission of affordable, high-quality education, which GCC has always um, embodied, um, we looked to that Build Back Better uh, provision that was going to give free community college tuition for students um, that was going to go so far in uplifting society, and it was gutted when it didn't pass. And um, we were so disappointed, especially given the challenges in enrollment. So my question to you is, and GCC is suffering from that enrollment um, decline, and it's rather dramatic. So how do you, what do you do about that as a president? Yeah, thanks. Thanks for that. You're right. It is one of the hardest um, challenges facing all of us in higher education right now. And and you're right. The Build, build Back Better um, process, uh, you know, the, the the act and it's... And it almost uh, hurt physically. It, it did. It, it truly did for those of us who love higher education and know what it know the power of higher education. Um, I think Changes we all, lives. yes, we all sat and, and thought about the opportunities that our, our students and our neighbors and our families would face if that passed and it didn't. And, and so now we're left with trying to, um, overcome, if you will, the, the damage done by the pandemic and, um, what happened to those high school students through those years that, you know, in some ways they're a bit adrift and yet there's no shortage of jobs and the salaries are okay in some situations, especially if you're a young person. And so we have to convince them that education is the right path forward. Um, but we have to do that in a way that's very intentional. We have to ensure that they understand that there's a job at the end of that, or there's a transfer program and that their finances, the, the financial investment they put into college will pay off. I think families are nervous about the cost of education. Even if they don't have student loans themselves, you can't open a newspaper or listen to a news story right now without hearing about the student loan issue. I think at GCC, it's something like more than 75% of the students are on financial aid, right? Yes, they are. Not necessarily loans, but, but yes. I mean, we know on a national level, loans are a huge concern for many people. And so there are a lot of folks that are asking, what is the value of education? And we have to be able to demonstrate that value. And so that's where we have an opportunity to really dig deep as a community college and, you know, look at all of our offerings, not just the classroom credit work, but what are we offering in workforce? What are we offering in community ed? What are we offering to seniors or to, to children to really start to um, be that, that go-to, that resource? And we have the great um, position of being the only higher education offering in Franklin County, but additionally, you with know, significant ties to the community. Absolutely, yeah, and yeah. it's obvious that the community loves GCC. 
we just need to ensure that we are front and center on our offerings and that we're being, um, well, that we consider ourselves very relevant to the communities that we serve. Over the course of the pandemic, um, like most institutions, including workplaces, um, remote learning became um, the way to do it. Mm -hmm. um, and now as we, I hope, continue to come out of this pandemic, um, there's a serious question about whether or not remote learning is of the same quality and effectiveness as face-to-face in-classroom learning. Where Where is GCC in that regard? GCC has seen an increase in the number of courses offered online. Um, prior to the pandemic, as I understand it, it was about 20 to 30% of their courses were being offered online. Now it's about 50%. And honestly, those classes are filling faster than our in-person classes. That being said, though, many of our students are doing a mix or a hybrid of both in-person and online courses, which I think is a great option for many of our students who are working or have others to take care of. Um, so I'm pleased that we're offering many options. I think this speaks to the relevancy as well. We can't expect everyone, is all of our students are able to come to campus between the hours of, of 10 and 4 and take a full class schedule. So I'm glad we're able to offer um, those online options or hybrid class options. We are working hard to ensure that our faculty give their very best to their online courses. And so we're offering professional development so that um, we're ensuring that, that quality education is being offered both in person You would have had online. to fire me, I think. <laughs> I'm a Luddite. And, and I, and I got to say, and, and sometime maybe somebody will disabuse me of the impression, but in part because I'm a Luddite, when I was teaching, I just did not like the online interaction. Mm -hmm. I just, face to face, I'm also a verbal learner personally, so I, you know, just looking somebody in the eye and talking about the issues that you're, they've read about and, and, and that you, you're familiar with, it's just so much more effective than doing it, uh, seeing people raise their hands um, or seeing a light go up next to the, the image and, of their, their face. Um, it just never worked for me. The, now, uh, admittedly, your, your job is to promote GCC, and you just told us that half of GCC's offerings are online. Do you have an opinion about in-person versus online in terms of effectiveness of learning platform? I think it really depends on the student. Um, I think as a faculty, you know, I, I taught in my previous job in addition to my professional role. I, too, am a better in-person teacher. I can recognize that. But COVID forced me, too, to move to online. And so I got really creative really quickly in how I was delivering that information. And and I can't say that my students performed any differently. Um, they interacted a little less because my my course was largely conversation-based. But mm. um, but it, it still worked out. They still got the content. Um, I, again, it really depends on on the learners. I can say I've got two college-age students in my living in my house, two co two college-age daughters, and uh, you know, one is very much an asynchronous learner, very comfortable online. The other just really yearns. I don't know what asynchronous means. Asynchronous is she learns on her own much of the time. She is very independent in her learning. And so she's very comfortable in an online setting. The other one just yearns for the, the interaction of a classroom. And so she really wants to be in person. And, you know, same kids, same, same genetics, same household, very different young people. Dana, I want to ask you because, yes. it, it, you know, it was a while ago that you graduated from the University of Massachusetts, sure. but you also live in Amherst. Have you, what's the chat? It's just anecdotal. I'm not looking for a formal <laughs> survey. What's the chatter that you hear about online versus in-person learning? 
Yeah, very similar to, to what the president said. Um, a lot of students uh, can adapt to it. I would say the majority of students, they like what they had. They enjoy going to the classroom because they think, you know, it forces you to go there. It forces you to pay attention. The internet distracts very easily. And when you're in a classroom setting, you can be not only distracted by the computer, but in an uncontrolled setting around you. And, uh, I, you know, that's what I hear. I hear that if I had to guess, I would say even a majority of students prefer probably being in the classroom. Now, for many, like you said, for your daughter, you know, online works because she'll learn anywhere given, given the tools. But I think for a large number of students, they, they yearn for that controlled setting. I hate saying control, but it's like a managed setting. And it helps. It helps with the learning because you're focused in there. You're in the classroom. You get to see people in person. Yeah, that's yeah. my feeling too. I mean, it wasn't that long ago when I was taking classes and, and I, I can't do online. I couldn't do this. I don't know. Really? What I you seem yeah. like Mr. You're running this soundboard for crying I can run, out Yeah, loud. that's Monty. That's Monty's teaching there for me. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's difficult to pay attention and learn. I mean, maybe. I mean, I don't know. It, it depends. Maybe a lot of this could come down to the technology that's offered. The, you talked about the professors having a professional development. Uh, all of those would probably make a difference, and those are probably investments that are, are wise to make because I don't think this is going away. I think the hybrid function of classes is going to stay. If anything, permanent stays. I don't know if all the classes are always going to be online. The that's other thing it, so. that's really interesting, when I, my experience at GCC, yesterday in the very seat that you're in, Michelle, was the mayor of Greenfield, uh, Roxanne Wiedergardner. She's, she said she's met you for a blink. Yes. Um, but she's looking forward to meeting you uh, and getting to know you. But um, Greenfield, the school district just passed, uh, what is it called? They, they, they take uh, students in high school, in, in middle school, they take their phones and they lock them up in a... Kind like of a like pouch a, or some sort. Yeah, yeah, there's a word for the pouch. Yeah, um, but it's literally in the morning they lock it up and they don't release it in the afternoon until the afternoon because they really found that at that age group it interfered with learning. Some students say, "Well, I have to have my phone because my mother's going to call and see how I'm doing," especially in days when we don't know if there's an active shooter is going to be walking in the building. But um, for the most part, parents have been supportive of the school district's, uh, school committee's decision to lock up their phones because it interferes with learning. I, I think, um, I remember when I was teaching, I, the first thing I had to say every single class is put away or turn off your phones <laughs> um, because they would be distracted. But I, I found that it's really different. In, in high school, it's involuntary. You have to go. If, you know, in college, even a community college, they want to be there and they, they want to learn. They want to interact with other students. And... I found that uh, there's an invitation to learning. We're going to be we're talking to Michelle. Do you still have time to spend another ten minutes with us? That would be great. I just am so thrilled. Thank you. We're going to take a break, and we're going to be back with Dr. Michelle Shoot. It seems like we're lucky to have her at GCC. We'll be back right after these messages. Stay with us. This is the afternoon buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. The Afternoon Buzz is brought to you by Lundgren, family-run since 1964. Greenfield's largest automotive group is the place to buy your next Honda, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, or Ram. Experience it in Greenfield. For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. 
There could be a new campground coming to Williamsburg, although there is some opposition to the idea. The owners of the Beaverbrook Golf Course have applied for a special permit with the town's Zoning Board of Appeals to put a campground of up to 50 sites. Some residents have started a Change.org online petition, which has generated over 115 signatures, saying it's not an appropriate place for a campground. The Zoning Board of Appeals will discuss the application at their meeting tonight at 5 p.m. Eversource plans to cut around 370 acres of trees around the transmission lines in several rural western mass towns, as well as use pesticides to control vegetation as part of a vegetation management plan. Eversource's senior arborist Bill Hayes explained the intent of the project is to protect the lines from falling trees during severe weather events and increase reliability of the grid. And we'll be removing the tall growing tree species, thereby expanding the cleared area of the transmission right of way. So this program maintenance is an effort to upgrade our vegetation maintenance in this corridor. If passed, the vegetation management plan would be in place for the next five to seven years. West Springfield Police Captain Brian Pomeroy was arraigned in Holyoke District Court on Monday over the assault of a youth back in March. Captain Pomeroy remains on paid administrative leave pending the results of a misconduct investigation. His next court appearance is scheduled for October 28th. Scattered showers and a chance for a thunderstorm this afternoon, a high of 78 to 82. Evening showers likely then clearing overnight low of 60 to 66. It's a sun cloud mix on Wednesday with a high of 84 to 88, near 90 and bright on Thursday. 22 News Storm Team Meteorologist Brian Lapis, 101.5 WHMP. On our next show, I'll be away, and your host will be Josh Silver, the co-founder and executive chairman of Represent Us, the Northampton-based national organization fighting the influence of money in politics. Josh will be your host Wednesday at 9 o'clock. Bill Newman, weekdays at 9 and again at 5. WHMP News, Information, and the Arts. Lady and the Amp Fest 3, celebrating 35 years of rocking the boat. A day-long music festival this Saturday at the Institute for Musical Arts in Goshen, featuring students, faculty, and alumna from the past 20 years of IMA's Summer Rock Program for Girls and Young Women, with performances by Hannah Mohan from Topsy, Sarah Kahansky from EIEIO, Ray Kimura from Moxie, and many more, as well as the IMA Faculty Band featuring the legendary June Millington from Fanny, Evelyn Harris, formerly Sweet Honey in the Rock and now Stompbox Trio, as well as local hero favorites, Aaron McKeown, Marcia Gomes, and Janelle Birdle. The festival will also honor the short and inspiring life of IMA alumna, Jana Abramovitz, including a set by members of her band, Tropical Hot Sauce. The Lady and the Amp Fest 3, this Saturday on the lawn in front of IMA's Big Barn. Music starts at noon. More details and for tickets, IMA.org. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. And we're back with Michelle Schutt talking about Greenfield Community College and education at the college level writ large. And during the break, Dan, you asked the question of Michelle involving the future of education. Yeah, I wanted to know, uh, what do you think the future will be? Uh, of higher education. And I actually want to tie it into the question you asked just before we got on air. Can you talk a little bit about this division, if I may, may use that term, of uh, liberal arts versus training, job yeah. training? 
Absolutely. So, you know, I think on a national level, if we're talking about the future of higher education, um, things that are definitely being discussed right now include um, credit for prior learning, the expansion of, of the idea that, you know, you bring certain knowledge with you after you've worked in a field for a while. Shouldn't you get credit for that towards that's a degree? What, I, I know that as experiential learning. Yeah, that's what we're that's talking an, about. Yep, that's another term for that. So Same I can thing. get life credits for an interesting experience. Absolutely. Yep. And um, I think additionally, things like um, competency-based education, um, an opportunity for you to prove your competency and earn credit and move through higher education at a faster pace or slower pace if something takes you longer, um, but paying for your pace versus paying for your credit, I so think again, is... again, just so I, I understand, mm -hmm. like, um, if you want to take a foreign language, if you're required to take a foreign language for a particular degree, um, it's a core requirement, but then you test in to see if you speak Spanish at the number two level or the number three level. Is that what we're talking about in terms of competency? That's part of it. And then also, you know, if you... Um, let's say you're a teacher and you, or let's, let's say you want to become a teacher, but you've been a para for a while. You may have some skills already that you can sort of work through some of those basic education classes really quickly. And rather than be limited by, I can only take these classes and during this semester and these classes in this semester, you may be able to work through those classes at a faster pace. In so a it's really focused model. on the individual student more than some notion that everybody's going to take the same Courses. Exactly. Very personalized education. And so I think those are, are a few things that are, well, I know they're being talked about and um, may reshape kind of how we deliver our, our deliverables in higher education. And then you asked me about, you know, career versus technical, or sorry, uh, transfer Trades versus technical. Versus, right. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think... If anything, if we look historically at the workforce in this country, we're, we're missing a generation of people in the trades. So, you know, between the ages of, of 25 and 60, there's almost no one that, that studied the trades. And I will, you know... And we still I, need electricians and absolutely. plumbers and Absolutely. And I'll, I'll speak to the fact that I fall into that, that generational gap of people who were basically told, if you want to go to college, you need to go to a four-year school. And community colleges are for those other people, Right. What I've figured out pretty quickly is the smartest among us are making that decision to save a little bit of money, to get some um, some strong grounding in education, whether it be to a, towards a transfer program or a trade. Um, and, you know, community college is an open door to a lot of folks. And so it's highly, it's just incredibly exciting to me, all the things that community college does. And, you know, I, I often say cradle to grave education. That's what we provide. And that's... That's amazing. I mean, it's it's so um, <clears throat> it's difficult to articulate uh, uh, the value in my view, and I'm sure in your view, and I'm sure in Dan's view of uh, what we call critical thinking. I mean, we think of people in the sciences and what we call STEM, um, sort of technical and medical and um, engineering and the science kind of. Um, those are we we try to cultivate analytical reasoning which is a different way of thinking than critical thinking, which the social sciences sort of promote. Either way, um, unless you read, speak to others about what you just read, try to analyze it, you learn to see the world through a different and more focusable lens rather than just capturing what you heard on the news or read on the news. Um, you're able to actually uh, be a creative thinker and see which will make you a better car mechanic. Yes. And 
So I, I think, I mean, community, community college offers, it's a, it's a treasure that uh, lasts throughout life, I think. Um, it, you really help fulfill dreams. Yes. Uh, changing family trees. That's, that's my logo. Um, it's a phrase that I use often, and I firmly believe that's what education does. And so, you know, I just feel incredibly um, grateful for the opportunity to lead such an amazing college that so many people love and, um, and I, I know changed the family trees of our region. So here I was, a lawyer. I was, you know, I jumped off the 65-hour-a-week treadmill and decided to become an educator, which I, you know, I still I self-identify mostly as an attorney, more so than as an educator because I came in, I mean, I was in my 50s when I started teaching. But um, what struck me was the quality and dedication of the faculty at Greenfields Community College. It, they loved teaching and they loved their students. Um, have you experienced that? Oh my Kind God. of a loaded question. But. Oh, I Buzz, from the first time I stepped on campus, actually probably before that, because it was I had a Zoom interview first before I was invited to campus. And so, you know, I knew early on that those the folks that were interviewing me really loved their institution and they loved their students. And as I was explaining to you, you know, no amount of money, no amount of incentive, incentivation, no, um, you know, no strong arming can make people love their institution and, and make people love their students. That's intrinsic. And so, you know, despite the enrollment issues, um, despite the economy issues, we've got things going in the right direction at GCC. People love and care about the students that they're teaching. And so, you know, it couldn't be better. Um, we're gonna we're gonna take a break for just uh, a couple more minutes in a minute. But um, before I do, I wanted to a couple of things. Uh, first of all, I wanted to talk to you after the break about Senator Elizabeth Warren is coming to host a town hall at GCC out on the front lawn, and I want to talk about that and what other kinds of things we can expect at GCC in the near future. But apropos of what we were just talking about, there was another thing that a colleague told me that I've never forgotten. And I think it goes, let me see if I can reproduce it with my failing brain cells. It goes like this. People who teach at, uh, at the secondary level and high school, they do it because they love kids. People who teach at um, a community college level do it because they um, teach, they, they love their discipline. They know they love to teach. People at a four-year college love their discipline. And people at an Ivy League do it because they love themselves. <laughs> but I always found that there's an equal measure of loving being with students, interacting with students, uh, along with discipline at Greenfield Community College, almost without exception. I mean, every faculty member, their eyes would light up as they're talking about their day, every day. Yeah. And they would tell a little story about what happened in the classroom. And I would too, because I was immersed in this caring atmosphere there's sometimes we want to be too aloof to admit that we are in a loving atmosphere a caring atmosphere especially some of us who do confrontation for a living in our real job but uh, at gcc you can demonstrate loving and caring and it's a becoming thing right absolutely yeah very true yes we're going to take one more break and we've we've got her we're holding her hostage don't tell the authorities michelle shoot is being held hostage in the studio I know. <laughs> I know a good lawyer. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
We'll be right back after these messages. Do stay with us. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 1015 WHMD. When it's happening here in the Valley, we're talking about it. We have a very unique and lethal combination of emboldened white supremacy in this country and unfettered access to guns. We need to keep talking about the intersection of white supremacy and guns. Guns are used in order to you know, elicit fear and power and control by white supremacists. And it's not an issue that's going away easily. 101.5, 1400, and 1240. We are the Valley. We are WHMP. I chose community mental health to serve populations that are often underserved. Megan is a therapist at ServiceNet. One core value at ServiceNet is to continue to learn, to really strive for the most effective treatment. If you're looking for a strong sense of community and collaboration, come to ServiceNet. If you're a licensed mental health clinician who wants to make your own hours while also being part of a progressive community mental health team, join us at ServiceNet. Go to the employment page at servicenet.org. Hello, this is Linda DeGillis, Vice President and Trust Officer at Greenfield Savings Bank Wealth Management and Trust Services. Many of our customers are surviving spouses who have found themselves suddenly in charge of their household's financial savings and investments, which had previously been handled exclusively by their late spouse. A number of our female customers have told us that one of the reasons they moved their accounts to GSB Wealth Management and Trust Services was because they felt patronized or talked down to by their spouse's financial advisor. At GSB Wealth Management and Trust Services, our team of professionals will always treat you with respect and compassion. If you are looking for portfolio management, estate settlement services, or trust services, please call us, Greenfield Savings Bank Wealth Management and Trust Services at 413 775 8335. That's 413-775-8335. Or stop into any GSB office or contact us online through the wealth management section at greenfieldsavings.com. Thank you. Wendy's restaurants have been associated with an E. coli outbreak reported in at least four states with 37 people infected and 10 hospitalized. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention said the bacteria has been traced to romaine lettuce. Thus far, no deaths have been reported. The U.S. Department of Education is forgiving nearly $4 billion in student loan debt for students who attended ITT Tech. Loan forgiveness is available to over 208,000 students who attended the for-profit university from January 2005 through September 2016. Home purchases became slightly more affordable last week. Freddie Mac's primary mortgage market survey shows that after peaking at over 6% earlier this year, the average 30-year fixed-rate mortgage fell to just over 5% last week. At the same time, home prices are falling. I'm Mark Huffman. Learn more at ConsumerAffairs.com. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. And we are back talking about my favorite institution, Greenfield Community College, with its president, Michelle Shute. So, Michelle, um, I know that um, Senator Elizabeth Warren is going to be hosting a town hall at GCC on August 27th. Again, that is Saturday, I think. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, so tell, tell us about that. 
Um, uh, we were approached by Senators Warren's aides uh, a few weeks ago to ask. Uh, they were looking for a site in Western Mass to have the senator come and, and present a town hall, and we were uh, appreciative for the opportunity to represent the, the or have GCC represented um, through the the town hall while uh, while the senator is on on her break from from her work in Washington. So right. yes, she'll be there around ten thirty and. Um, it's just a, it's an open forum. Um, if there is an agenda, we don't know it. That that is the senator's um, motivation there. You are new to this region, but if you haven't heard it already, it's probably well. We're kind of like all the I states that you're familiar with, the Iowa and Idaho, which is you, we have a very strong sense of we get ignored. Um, that everything to the east of 495, um, you know, gets a lot of attention, and everything out. We feel very, um, we feel like the child who gets ignored by mama and papa. And so we're always trying to remind them. So when uh, Elizabeth Warren, somebody that I revere, um, her worldview, I think, is just uh, right on. And her intention is to um, help as many people as she possibly can. I know that she's sensitive to the needs of Western Massachusetts. And, and uh, so I'm really glad that... Um, She'll be coming to GCC. Where else to come um, to hold that? Let's hope for good weather, right? There will be a 27% chance of <laughs> So you've got the fall semester about to begin. Yep, classes begin September 6th. Tell us what it's going to look like from the perch that you hold in the executive suite of the president. Yeah, so from my perspective, um, I have just started, as of today, started some um, listening sessions with small groups of faculty and staff. They have the opportunity to sign up if they'd like to, to share and, and talk to me about kind of where we have been at GCC and where we're headed. Um, I have a, a key set of about six questions that I asked them, and first one was this morning. It was very positive and robust conversation. Um, from a student perspective, right now enrollment's about flat, and so we're excited for that year-over-year -year enrollment, um, and hope to see a last-minute push. Um, and our our recruiters are certainly hoping for that as well. Um, and so, if anyone is interested, yes, we have classes available. If if we're looking for uh, course opportunities this fall, both in person and online. Additionally, though, um, I'm excited to start getting to know our students. Because we're, you know, just in many ways, this is our first um, reopening semester after COVID. Um, it's the most open we've been since the pandemic. And so having students back on campus is really exciting for me. Um, I'm presenting in front of them tomorrow at orientation, um, just really sort of trying to re-energize the campus to the fact that um, while we may not be through the pandemic, we're we're moving through the pandemic. And um and there's great things that are happening on campus. And so we're also celebrating um, September 24th is our 60th anniversary event. Incredible. And so um, hope if there's alumni listening that you'll consider joining us that day um, because I think that'll be a, a great opportunity to connect with others that share your love for GCC. Yeah, really. In 60 years, uh, there's a lot of lives been affected by GCC over a 60-year period. Um, and, and I know because I was 12 years old when GCC opened, so uh, I have a clear memory of it. And, you know, it's interesting when you talk about faculty and staff, um, what I always, you know, I always thought of college, especially as a young college student when I was in my 20s. And, 
you know, it was the faculty, but what I learned when I was a faculty member is how important it is to listen to staff. They are the workers. They see things through a lens that faculty can't mm-hmm. as much as you want to. They, see the ins- they know the whole institution in a way. And staff is always more, in my view, more attuned to what life is like for faculty than faculty could ever be, than what life is like for staff. So I'm so glad to hear you include staff. Um, why do you include staff? Well, I think I, I come by it rather naturally. I came out of student services, um, started my my higher education career in housing. So for 10 years, I lived in residence halls with the students um, and then moved out into housing administration and then um, into a broader student services role. But I have taught this whole time, too. So I feel like I, um, I sort of uh, balance between those two worlds a little bit. I understand what faculty are experiencing and the challenges that that they're having every day in in the classrooms, battling with the the cell phones and the the technology um, challenges. But I also understand what staff hear and see um, every day in the faces of our students and and how um, how all inclusive our jobs are. Right? It's not just about students taking classes and leaving. It's about ensuring that they have food and that they know where they're going to sleep and that they have, um, you know, safe childcare for the, the ones that they care about. That's the role of community college is that 360 view of the student. And we can't do that in, in pockets of faculty or staff. We have to do that collectively. And I think that's, you know, a big part of my motivation. Thank you for making that part of your motivation. I, I've told this story before. I don't know if I've told it on the air. Um, Dan, you'll tell me if I've told it on the air. But you probably I, have. I remember once I, um, I gave a test. You know, I had a testing pattern for my classes. I forget, there were seven, every other week. So seven tests over the course of the semester, and, and a big one in the middle of the semester. And a student missed that big one in the middle of the semester. And so he, when I challenged him in the next class, where were you? You missed your test. He said, I couldn't get here. I live in Orange, which is about a half an hour, 40 minutes uh, east of Greenfield. And <clears throat> I couldn't get here because I couldn't afford gas. I think I probably rolled my eyes, although I hope I didn't roll my eyes. But um, what I did is I gave him a chance to do a makeup test. Um, to, we had a testing center there. And I had to write another test because I didn't know if he was going to cheat. I didn't know him that well. Is he going to get it from somebody else? I had to write all different questions for him and make sure they were, they were questions we'd covered in class. And I gave him the test. And he, he did fine on the test. But the reason I'm telling the story is the next week, I, for some reason, was paying at a gas station right there at the Rotary as you entered the, uh, the road to GCC. And I was like four or five people behind that student. And I watched him empty his pocket and he got $4.27 worth of gas or whatever the number was. And I, I realized how insensitive I'd been to what it's like to not be able to come to class mm-hmm. to take a test because you don't have enough money. And, um, and that changed my entire orientation towards students. So all of a sudden I got like, I realized how lucky I am and um, how sensitive I have to be to the fact that not everybody is that lucky. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, important that we we all recognize that we're battling something right all of us and um and students are not exempt from that because they may be younger or they may have less you know less assumed responsibilities they've still got the challenges that that face all the rest of our society and so um i just think it's really important that as an institution we 
aim to be as holistic as we possibly can in our service to our students? Well, I applaud the board um, for its choice of a president with the same priorities that I think so many of us hold dear. And my final question is, how are you going to get um, familiar with this region, this incredibly rich region that you now have moved into? Yeah, thanks for that. I have already started um, started a lot of, of connections with elected officials. My, my calendar is full throughout the fall semester of um, committees and um, different meetings on campus. I'm doing my best on the weekends to walk some of our smaller towns just to really um, really see what's happening and, and where we might be able to provide some influence, meeting with local um, elected officials as well as our school officials and um, you know, trying to make those connections at every pass. Well, I, I think it's just great. I welcome you. I thank you for coming in today, and I thank you for what I think is going to be um, a, a blessing for GCC, and uh, GCC is always a blessing for the rest of us. So thank you so much for joining us thanks, today. Thanks, Buzz, for having me. It was a blast. Dan, thanks. I'll see you tomorrow. Every American history and practical man. You this study is hard, the afternoon buzz with Buzz Eisenberg. 1015 WHMP. And the guy behind you won't leave you alone. Ring, ring goes the bell. The Western Mass Business Show with local dynamo Tara Brewster. Saturdays at 11 and Sundays at 2. Only on WHMP. Brought to you by Business West. The vital business news in Western Mass is in Business West. The Western Mass Business Show with Tara Brewster, WHMP. Do you act a certain way around your partner because you're afraid of what they'll think or say? Talk for Are you afraid of in the Valley since 1950? WHMP Northampton. WHMQ Greenfield. A Northampton Radio Group Station. It's